Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 BA fam. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts and keep our audience growing. If your iPhone recently updated to iOS 14.5, head to Apple Podcasts, search for Brown Ambition, and click on the plus button in the upper right-hand corner. Do that and you'll be following our show. Whoop, whoop. You can also follow us on Spotify, on Stitcher, or on the Amazon Music app. You wouldn't have to do all that you know, if you had Android, but you know, Apple, that's fine, that's fine. And now on to our show. ABA fam, Mandy here. We continue this week with our summer co-host series. And I have to tell you guys, I have had the biggest social media crush on this woman ever since I discovered her page and IG earlier this year. And they say, don't ever meet your sheroes because you may be disappointed. But this was such a delightful conversation. You guys are going to laugh. You are going to be inspired and you are going to go follow at HeyBurna on all social media channels because you are going to love her, I hope, as much as I do. So let me get to the point here and introduce today's guest co-host. Her name is Berna Anat. Berna is an award-winning financial hype woman. Yes, that is a title. Let's manifest it which is basically her made up way of saying that she creates financial education media that lives at at Hey Berna all over the internet. After Berna slayed her $50,000 of debt, she saved up to quit life and has been traveling the world trying to make money fun again ever since. Berna is actually joining us today, despite the fact that she is in what she calls a book writing cave. Yeah, she is working on her very first book for teens and young adults about slaying their own personal finance challenges. I am thrilled. So let me get out of the way of myself and get to this interview. Here is your co-host for the week, Berna Anat. Hey, Berna. Hi, Mandy. This is so wild. Like, I feel the same. I mean, Brown Ambition was my first favorite financial podcast. It still is. It's still the one that I recommend to people and people are like, what's your most, your fit? I'm like, everyone's just stop talking. It's Brown Ambition and that's the end of the sentence. And so it's so wild that like, eventually in a couple days, I'll be hearing my voice. You just said my voice. That's so wild. I'm so, so, so honored to be here. Well, hey, Berna. So Berna, you describe yourself as a financial hype woman which I'm so jealous of because that has got to be the best title in the history of personal influencers. (laughs) What do you mean when you say you're a hype woman? What does that mean? 
Oh my gosh, that's completely made up, first of all. And so that should be just inspiration to anyone of any age that you can totally make up your job and just kind of, if you bring it and fake it till you make it, eventually cool people will ask you to be on their podcast and they'll they'll say the words, even if you just made it up. And then um, all of a financial- sudden it's a career. And suddenly it's a career. It's very difficult to explain to my immigrant parents what that is. So they just think I work in money and communications. But financial hype woman is something I made up a few years ago because hype is one of the things I thought was missing from the financial world. Um, So that's one reason. I was like, I want more. I want there to be more joy, more hype. And by hype, I mean energy, happiness, excitement, especially. Like there are no like trumpets or foghorns that play when you do exciting financial things. A lot of these things that we do in our financial lives typically happen in like a dark, sad corner of the internet, like us hunched over our phones. And so I wanted to bring hype, energy, excitement, so you feel encouraged to do things. And if you think about a hype woman on stage, typically a hype person on stage, they are behind the main performer or rapper or singer. And they're just like, they're the person that's just bringing the energy while the artistic person's doing the art. And that's how I want people to envision me in their financial lives. Like you're the one in the front seat of your financial life. You're doing the earning and the paying and the bill paying and the goals. And I just want people to imagine me in the back, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like repeating things and dancing behind you in the back that like, I'm keeping your energy up. Like um, my purpose is to keep your energy up. And that's what I want to bring to the money world. I don't know how you have the stamina to do what you do on Instagram. If you guys don't follow Berna, you have to go to at HeyBerna on IG. I mean, you, your comedic, your physical comedy is something truly special. And the time, because I, I know it's not it's not always easy to, you can be funny, but you tell stories with your humor and you have a whole, there's like a beginning, middle and end to your Instagram content. And I know how much time and energy and thought must go into it. It is quite effective, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. I found out that people really like it when I shake. I shake something for their financial wins. Um, I will do a little bit of twerking with what I got, uh, which is not a ton, but I think people appreciate the effort. I know all of my, you and all of my other internet creators out there understand that like you have to sort of try out a bunch of different things and a bunch of different approaches to find what hits with your audience. And people love it when I make up dance moves to their financial wins. And so that's probably the most entertaining thing you'll see on there, aside from other like storytelling and videos and things like that. I like to move. I like to bring the the bodily energy into it. I'm getting older now. I'm just wondering, have you ever like thrown a back out, a back, like you have more than one, thrown anything out, <laughs> twisted something? I'm approaching that for sure. Uh, I will, especially on weeks where I'm like, I haven't worked out for a long time, which mind you is most weeks. I'll do like my Friday financial wins and all weekend long, I'm like, I am so sore. My thighs, my legs, my knees. Like I try to do the Meg Meg the Stallion knee kind of tricks. And what you see on camera, I look like I know what I'm doing, but know that immediately after that 15 seconds cuts out, I'm on the floor. It's it's all for, it's all for you. You know, it's all for the, the audience. Don't, don't, I mean, leg day is very important. Uh, Megan the Stallion's an athlete. Don't tell me nothing any differently. An okay. athlete, truly. And truly. And I, we have been obsessed with her latest song. What's it called? Thought Something? My son loves oh. rap. My son oh loves my to dance. When that song came on YouTube, I mean, I don't know how appropriate it was. for. He wasn't paying attention <laughs> to the pictures. No. But he and I got down. He loves to twerk. He's such a cute little show off. Good. It's leg. She's leg day inspo and she's full body inspo for anybody. But I think everyone is now paying so much more attention to what their knees and thighs can do and Mm. admiring their bodies for doing those things because of Megan Thee Stallion. Like she just revolutionized the way I look at my knees for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, as someone who grew up, I mean, I'm biracial, my mom is white, and I've told her this before, she knows, and she might actually be listening to the podcast, so yay, mom, I'm talking about you Uh again. But there were times when I was younger where she would say, like, do you really want to work out? Your thighs are already, you know, you've got some thighs, and, you know, you don't want them to get bigger, do you? But it's that's the beauty standard, right? I'm not trying to make this an episode about body image, but shout shout out to anyone trying to break norms and make us thick girls you know, just feel like we don't have to change a damn thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Not only do you not have to change it, but you can embrace it and shake it and show off what it is capable of. And that's something people can look at and be like, wait, mine can do that too. We can do that. We can go outside and do that. Absolutely. It just like turned it, it turned it all on. I mean, what I love to see is like, Meg the Stallion and every other performer out there being like, look what my knees and my butt can do. And Mm -hmm. people just like bowing down to her in the comments of being like, not only incredible lyricist, rapper, performer, but like she has to be putting extra work behind her thighs and her legs. Yeah. And then we're, we're so much more appreciative of the muscle, of the the curve, of everything that's there. Because I'm like, if I have more, I can shake more. And Meg says it's a good thing. So, And it's the work behind it. And I think what attracts me to your work so much and what I try to, what I try to think about in my own content or my own, you know, just being myself on social media is I just love people who are not afraid to be silly not afraid mm. to put themselves out there, not afraid to not take themselves so seriously, but who still do the work. And I do feel mm. like, especially in the personal finance world or in, you know, corporate America, when you talk about finance, it's often a, you you feel like you need to put on a different hat or use a different voice or like code switch to have those conversations. Yes. But I think what's so amazing about what you do is by being so approachable, by being so lovable and so freaking entertaining you're immediately showing people this doesn't have to be all serious and doom and gloom like it can be hilarious we can laugh at it we can say the things we can talk about our debt and then we can twerk about it and we can do the work at the end of the day yes absolutely for people like me who and by that i mean people who are basically like 15 to 17 years old on the inside and always will be it has to be hilarious it has to be funny or else it just it won't go down the same way you know we know all the books and the podcasts and the blogs that spell it out and have all the information but i found myself needing to translate those things for myself like when i was learning how to get out of debt and reading the books and all the things, I found myself literally going, okay, what they mean by that sentence is if you just like put your booty on the thing and you roll it around, it's like when you're on the dance floor, like translating it into everyday stupid things so that I could understand it. Yeah. And then I realized I can't be the only one whose brain works like this. If I start sharing it, maybe people are into it. And I found that there's there's a space for that. There's a space for the serious stuff, but there's also a space for us inner children who like need to play with money in order to really connect with it. Yeah. Well, talk to me about your background financially. I mean, I know you had some credit card debt, some student loan debt, not unlike most millennials. I'm assuming you're a millennial. Maybe you're a zillennial. I don't know. I'm I think I'm like borderline yeah. millennial, zillennial. Someone told, called me geriatric the other day. I was like, you know what? I'm, whatever it is. I'm if a my geriatric can still rock. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I'm actually a geriatric millennial, which, you know, whatever, I'll take it. But talk to me yeah. about your journey. When did it start for you? You were at Instagram before. You've been producing and doing entertainment media for a while, right? Yes. So everyone's got that moment when they say, I want to make this my life's work to talk about money and educate people. What, What was that like for you? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I've been in kind of media my entire life. I grew up wanting to be a writer. I wanted to be the editor in chief of a magazine. Uh, and I like moved, you know, graduated from a journalism school and I moved to New York and I interned at a magazine, hated it, hated it with a capital H. 
still though, you know, you find yourself post-graduation, especially in journalism and media, you're young, you're doing internships, broke as heck. And I found myself a couple years of being freelance after leaving magazines, $12,000 in credit card debt and $38,000, about $40,000 in student loan debt. Hmm. And I had sort of always written off the excuse that like, you know, I'm freelance, I'm in journalism, I'm broke, I'm young, I don't have to get my stuff together. What was really behind that was like a lot of fear, a lot of shame, never wanting to admit how much debt I had and never wanting to look my debt in the eye. And basically, you know, I I did end up getting a, a job at Instagram, moving back to the Bay Area where I'm from. And that was maybe a half step where I was like, okay, Okay, I'm starting to get money every other Friday, which is like what I think it's an adult thing to do. And now this feels like God being like, you no longer have no excuse to budget. I'm giving you money every other Friday. Mm-hmm. Do the thing. And I'm like, okay. I did the, I hit the Googles because, you know, growing up again, first gen immigrant child of um, immigrants from the Philippines, they taught me very little about money, taught me lots about like our culture and everything, but very little about money. And so everything I learned about money, I had to hit the Googles, just like millennials do. When we don't know something, we hit the Googles as hard as possible. And I was learning stuff through blogs and YouTube channels and books. And I started to create this thing that I called Felicia's Wallet. Now at the time, Buy Felicia was at its peak, okay. like peak fit cultural phenomenon. Everyone was like, buy Felicia, buy Felicia. And someone said something about like, I'd love to see Felicia's passport because she's always saying bye. Like we're always saying bye to her. She must be going all over the place. And I was like, I'd like to see her wallet. How is she affording to say bye all the time? So I started this like blank Google document where I put down everything I was learning about budgeting, everything I was learning about how to balance and figure out my paycheck, all of my financial moves every other Friday when I got my paycheck. I called that document Felicia's wallet. I didn't show it to anybody for a long time. And then eventually I was like, let's just, if I just kind of talk about it on my social media, which had no kind of following for anything, let's just see what happens. I posted about the document. I remember it's like a boomerang of me scrolling through it. And the response to that was huge. And it wasn't just from my friends and family being like, whoa, budgeting money. You're talking about out loud and like you haven't exploded. That's crazy. Like you broke the taboo against the rules. But it was also such a huge response from so many people that that I didn't know. And especially so many women of color up in my comments and like, most notably whispering in my DMs, like, you're a stranger, but you're the first person I've ever seen who is a woman and a woman of color to talk about your personal money life. Admit that you have debt out loud. Say that you've been messing up for many months, but here's that you're, what you're learning. You're the first person in my life to actually talk about this, and it's, it's changing my perspective. And that's when I was like, we got something, something here. There's something. A little old me knowing nothing with no financial background yells from my corner of the internet and the response was such an echo that's when i was like okay we gotta we gotta take this somewhere we gotta take it somewhere how do you go from that to now you're writing a personal finance book what happened in between and also congratulations this is when i dropped that little (laughs) nugget you you're gonna be a published author it's so wild because this was the beginning. Like, this is what I wanted to be when I was super little, uh, a writer, an author. And it's been a very long, windy road to get here. 
But basically, once I started sharing about Felicia's wallet, I got the response from people. Then I was like, okay, all right, this is a thing. I started making videos, started making content, uh, discovered something called Instagram, honestly discovered like Instagram boomerang, started shaking my butt for people. (laughs) And we just started to build more and more of a community online of people who wanted to talk about money, wanted to talk about the absolute basics of money, but didn't want it to be what I like to say, hella male, hella pale, and hella stale. So much of what you see out there is hella male, hella pale, hella stale. And so I just sort of built this gathering around people who were sick of that. And uh, the book came about last year when I partnered up with an agent. Her name is Tavia from Biota. She's incredible. Other woman of color who champions all people of color artists. I wanted to, I brought her on to sort of level up and help me manage like brand partnerships and things like that. And she's the one that was like, hey, this publishing house wants to do a money book for young people. You're basically a teenager walking around with paychecks. <laughs> Why don't you do the thing? Uh, and that's that's where we are. And oh my God, Mandy, my, my first draft is due in like a month, almost a month exactly. So I'm losing my issue a little bit. You're not even supposed to be here right now, right? Like I'm not even supposed to be here right now. Why are you talking to me? I feel... <laughs> You're Mandy. Are you kidding? This is brown ambition. I was just telling you right before we started recording that I'm in, I put myself in this thing called book leave, quote unquote. So I've been this like book cave. I wanted to focus on writing my book and make my book writing process really fun, really enjoyable, like lean on my savings and actually give myself the time to make the process really fun. And I promised myself I would not come out of book leave unless it was like showstopper, incredible opportunity. And I remember you emailed me, I want to say like a couple of months ago, and I brought this, I have a business coach. I brought this to my business coach and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to come out of Bookly for. And she was oh. like, okay, I give my blessing. I was like, yes. <laughs> wow. We're business coach approved. Well, I hope this is, yes. well, I'm so glad to have you here, but I'm also so, um, you know, Tiffany just had a really successful book launch and I told her, I was like, this is, you know, obviously she was wildly successful, but I said, The reason why I feel so excited about Tiffany's success is that I know others will benefit from her success. You know, it'll make publishers look at women of color as really like money makers, you know, like a a good business decision. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. that has been often the excuse in this, you know, in the business world is like, oh, do women sell? Do women of color sell? Should we put you on the cover? Will people be turned off when they see it's by a woman? I mean... Anyway, you, there's a whole history of like women changing their names, writing under pen names, so they'd be taken seriously. And I, I am so excited. I wish you nothing but the most success. I want to know. So you said for young people. So what is the target audience for this book that you're writing? Because I don't think we there hasn't really been a lot of books for like teens from someone who you know. I know you're not tech. You know you say you're 15 years on the inside, but you know we're we're a little mature yes. now. But yeah, what's, oh, yeah, what's the target audience? It's so funny because the target audience, technically, this is a HarperCollins young adult book. And the official on paper target audience is like 16 to 25. Okay. But I know like my content from the beginning had always, I meant to always be talking to teens about money. The thing though about talking about money, especially when you talk in like a relatable voice, is you unlock the fact that most of us, especially in the US, especially if you're coming from an immigrant family, we are... 15 when it comes to our financial education. Like, we are all children when it comes to our financial education because most of us didn't receive any type of financial education. And, you know, we grow up into these like adult skin bags, but there is no financial education update download along the way. Yeah. And so 
all my content was supposed to be for young people, but I got this huge millennial audience too and older because we've all been failed. And so it's actually a tricky thing to be writing right now with the intention of focusing on 16 to 25 year olds. But all the feedback I'm getting from my editor, from my editor's editor, from copy editors, from the publishers, they're like, so this is a book that I would buy for myself. This is something that I need. This is something that all my friends need. It's officially for 16 to 25 year olds, but I know that the lessons reverberate throughout all, all the I ages. I mean, just throw a vampire or a werewolf in there and then there you go. Right? Exactly. I'm like, I got to sprinkle different pop cultural references throughout so nobody feels left out. But are vampires Uh, even a thing anymore? I don't know. What would it be now? That's more of a, like, that's like a definitely millennial, like, when we felt the Twilight vibe. Do the whole thing on TikTok. Just, like, release chapters in 60-second increments (laughs) with the Busset song in the background. That's That's what's interesting, interesting. too, is knowing that we're, like, reaching out to a younger audience and it's not like we all, like, Gen Z is not, like, a bunch of readers. No one's, like, pretending that Gen Z is obsessed with the books. So I have to figure out a way to make it interesting enough for young audiences to pick up and actually be into it. And also for parents to go like, okay, she's not going to teach my kids some like crazy shiz. <laughs> and, but still also something that I wanted to read when I was young. I didn't want it to be all words. I don't want it to be all graphics. I want there to be silly stuff in it and fun stuff and challenges and things that get me out of the book. So will your gorgeous it's, it's face wild. be on the cover? That's what I want to know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm cool enough. I don't know if I'm cool enough like Tiffany to put my face on the cover because in talking to other author friends, Mm -hmm. they're like, you basically have to be like Obama level to be able to be cool enough to put the book, your face on the cover. Otherwise, people are going to look at me and be like, okay, what? What? It's random. Ambiguously race brown girl. Like what? Uh, So we'll see. We're not there yet. I mean, Tiffany talks about that, that moment when she was like not sure about putting herself on the cover. I feel like, I mean, it's the same thing as when you wrote about Felicia's wallet, which I don't know how I didn't know that. I guess I haven't gone that back into the archives, uh, into the vault of Berna content. There's a lot mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. And and she eventually decided to go for it. And I feel like her gorgeous brown melanated self on that cover honestly probably sells books because the same thing that would have held the book back, I think, 10, 20 years ago is now people are looking for it why people yes. are looking for it they want us they want to yeah. like i'm saying i mean i'm, I'm not saying this yes. is your target audience but they want to put that on their shelf right in front so when their friends come over uh they're like mm, yeah i read berna anat and she's great do you oh, know you about her know. oh you don't oh wow it's crazy you must not know any brown <laughs> people like i do <laughs> just, <laughs> exactly. just my two cents <laughs> No, I know exactly what you mean. I know that if I put my body on the cover, like with Tiffany, like her her persona, her brand is like preschool teacher, but make it finance and make it like polish and relatable. Mm-hmm. And so her on the cover with her like beautiful dress and like put together, it's it works. If I were to conceptualize myself on the cover of my own money book, I'm like immediately like, oh, there's probably going to be a body part you have to censor. My yeah. leg's going to be up in the air. There's going to be, yeah. it, it's going to be wild. Yeah. There should be <laughs> we'll like see. dollar we'll bills see. flying out of, you know, your orifices. Just do something fun. All the orifices. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, what I did last week is I bought a bunch. I just went on a rant and bought a bunch of books that I've been wanting to read that I knew were funny or interesting and taught something specific. Mm. And the book that I'm on right now is Ali Wong's Dear Girls. Have you heard of it? I haven't heard of that book, but I know Ali, yeah. Oh my gosh. Basically, it's a book about uh, is her letters to her two daughters. And it's so hilarious, super, super funny. And 
the picture of her on the cover, it's her in this beautiful glittery dress, but she's asleep. She has like asleep with her mouth open. And I was like, see, if we can hit a cover like that, that's like, yes, I'm polished, but not really. Yes. Uh, that would be great. To show that it's a I'm different sure. book. All right. Well, I'm Sorry. not obviously not your business coach, but <clears throat> that aside, <laughs> talk, we kind of skipped over that hefty debt amount that you mentioned earlier. You had nearly $50,000 in debt. Student loans, yes. I get $12,000 of credit card debt. What were you buying, Berna? Oh what, my gosh. Was I it was a lot buying... of brunch and avo toast? It was a lot of bottomless brunch in the Lower East Side of New York City is what it was. It was a yeah. lot of being 20 to 24 years old in New York City with no financial skills, but lots of influence and kind of helium in the head about what you're supposed to be doing. What years were so, you here? I was in New York City from 2011 to 2015. God, we were so, we could have been... Besties. Did we almost? That was my era. Yes, of my oh, wild twenties. We were probably. I mean, if this were a movie, you'd probably like go back and be like, "Oh, that was you at that club, or that was you at that yes. happy hour." Um, yes. Did you also we wake up on the each other? Did you also wake up on the side of the street on New Year's Eve, robbed, um, <laughs> oh, without no. a cell phone? Was that you no. on the other side? No. <laughs> and was I the one that was like chased down the robber for you and had no idea? Or was I the one who was like, girl, take this drink? And I was like the last person to give you alcohol in the club. <laughs> Could have been any one of them. Probably but that the was, latter. Yes. That's so funny. <laughs> the latter. Well, then that's, I mean, say no more because it is extremely <laughs> easy to rack up the kind of debt. But you said that you had a hard time facing it. When did you finally face the music? And then how did you, how did you tackle it? Oh, boy. Okay, so... The buildup to it was definitely being very influenced by New York City, like young person culture. You got to go out all the time. It's it's brunch in the club and brunch in the club every weekend. And it's also this specific culture that my friends and I had of like almost bragging about how broke you were or how much you were struggling. It was like it was like this very specific kind of humble brag of just like, I'm broke. Me too. I'm the brokest. Like it made broke was kind of sexy to a weird and gross degree. And we would talk about struggling, but we, no one ever actually talked about the numbers behind their debt. And no one talked about the actual abject, low boil, constant fear we all felt about our debt. And so that was terrible. It was like going to the bathroom and like opening my B of A app, Bank of America app, and like transferring so I can get the next round of margaritas around me. <laughs> uh, terrible, terrible stuff. Oh gosh. I think it was, again, it wasn't until I got that full-time job for the first time in a long time with like the money drip every other Friday that I was like, okay, I think this is God telling me like, you may now enter the the ancient Caucasian art of budgeting. Let's see what's going on there. <laughs> and then when I started to read blogs and things, they were like, you got to attack your most expensive debt, which is credit card debt. And so I sort of followed that plan that most financial experts gave you of like attack their credit card debt first. I had never seen all of my debt out on one piece of paper like that before. And that was like a step that I think a blog had told me to do. So I opened up Felicia's wallet and I opened up Bank of America and Chase and all the things and putting all those numbers down on my Google Doc for the first time and looking at them, it's the anticipation of doing that is horrifying. And then actually looking at it is like, there's horror to it, but it's a lot less scary than I thought it was gonna be. Like I was mm -hmm. like, okay, I knew I had a lot, and when I saw the number 12,000, I was like, that's a butt ton.
But then I started to sort of break down what would it look like to pay that off? How many months would it take? It got a little less scary after that. I like to tell people that thinking about your debt before actually looking at it is kind of like when you wake up in the middle of the night and it's dark, but you can see your clothes chair, you know, the chair that you like throw clothes on. And no, I have like no idea what you're talking about. <clears throat> does, but this is just a story someone told me. I don't know about a clothes chair. But you like look at your clothes chair in the night and it looks like a serial killer. And the longer you stare at it in the dark, the more you're like, that's definitely, a, that's a serial killer. <laughs> it's getting closer. It's growing. It's getting taller. I'm going to die. Yeah. But then you turn the light on and you're like, oh, it's just a clothes chair. It's fine. That's what it felt like to look at my debt. Like before I was looking at it, I was like, it's going to kill me. I can't. Then you actually look at the numbers and you're like, okay. It's a number. I might actually be able to plan around this. Mm. I mean, at the same time, you're living in a really expensive, I mean, the Bay Area, even though you're working yes. for a, a huge company like IG, it can't yes. be cheap to, it can't be cheap or even affordable to live there. And then you went, now you're full-time, hey, Berna, full-time, hella helpful, which is your online community, right? Yes. Uh, we got We definitely got to plug that. And you guys can go to heyberna.com to get all the ways, although you're probably a little dormant right now with your, your book caving, but- Anyway, bookmark it for future use. But talk to me about Hella Helpful as a community and and when did you launch that and, and how did you go from, okay, I've done the cute nine to five thing. I'm ready to go full on with my my new venture. I'm selfishly asking oh because gosh. that's what I'm doing right now a little bit too. So Yes, yeah. I know. I'm so excited to watch this happen with you. I have to say that major privileges helped to get me to from then to now. One being, I increased my income a butt-ton when I went to go work for Instagram. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better for taking down your debt and saving money than earning more money. And that we need to be very transparent about that kind of thing. Amazing. Nothing better. <laughs> Crazy, right? People don't, why did you call it a privilege? People don't like to admit it, but that is, it's very simple. Like, you didn't invent reinvent the wheel. I just, no. I just made more money and then I had more money and then I used that money to pay off the debt. That is the, I mean, you have to be able to say it out loud. The people who don't say that are probably trying to sell you an online course because it's, I got to where I got, like I got to taking down my debt in three years because I got a bigger paycheck. It's the number one thing. The tips and the tricks and the organization and the budgeting, those were all ways to organize the more money coming in. But it was the more money that made my debt payoff journey so much faster than what it really, than what it, it could have been. Mm. And another privilege was when I came back to the Bay Area to work at my, my job at Instagram, I was still very like, I'm trying to be independent, like leave me alone, I wanna get my apartment. And then my wonderful immigrant par Asian parents were like, are you being an idiot? Your childhood bedroom is right there. I held out for a year. I was like, I wanna live with my friends, get away from me. And then I started to get really serious about my paying off my debt because I wanted to quit and travel for a year. And so did my partner. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to then lean into the privileges that I have been given. Given, by the way, I did not work for the fact that I have an incredible family who were like, come, come stay in my house. That was a privilege. So I stayed with them for a year while I was paying off my debt. I was still paying rent to them because I wanted to keep some semblance of adulthood. Okay. But uh, yes, it was not San Francisco market rent, but it was still rent. And that was a major privilege too. So I have to be able to, if we don't acknowledge our privileges, then that I'm trying to sell you an online course. And that's what I'm trying, not, I'm not trying to do. No, I mean, I think that that's amazing. And I, I, I certainly know whoever could flee to mommy and daddy's house or family during the pandemic to save money. I mean, if you didn't use that as an opportunity to pay down some debt and stack your coins, I don't know what 
you were thinking there, there's no shame in that. I've talked about how my husband and I moved in with his parents. Also, you know, he's first generation yes. Dominican and his parents, believe me, they would love if we were still there in that three bedroom, mm-hmm. tiny, tiny apartment. Oh. But that was, I mean, it was the savvy, smart financial move, but it was hard. It was very yes. hard. So I respect and, and commend you for that. Um, yeah, now, there's an emotional tax that comes with it for sure. So you're living with your folks and your partner as well? Or are you guys? Yes, separate? we both moved in to my family's because we were both living in separate apartments on our own. And then we both committed to this debt payoff journey together because oh, we okay. both wanted to pay off all of our debt and quit our jobs and travel the world for a year. And of course, the entire time I, we're like, hmm, how do we save money? How do we save money? How do we make bigger payments on our debt? My parents are like, idiots idiots over here, <laughs> get in this house. Um, and we're so grateful that, that they were able to do that. So we did that and, and please tell me that took a couple you, of years. Yeah, please tell me that your big travel year was not supposed to be 2020. Did you get it in before? Uh, we finished it. It was all 2018, January oh, okay. to December 2018. Thank goodness. And then when I got back, I had to make a decision of like, okay, well, am I going to go back to my cozy, comfy, well-paid nine to five, which is wonderful too. And there's no absolute, no shame in that. Or should I see where this crazy ass road is going to go? Like people respond a lot to these videos. They like it when I twerk for their financial wins. They like it when I teach something. Mm-hmm. What if I just keep going? And that what if basically has lasted from the end of 2018 to now. Oh, wow. So how much did you save for that epic trip? I like to get into numbers. Did you have a, a, mind, yes. a goal number in mind? We did. I want to say it was like 36000 that we saved for the trip okay. between myself and Peter because we knew we wanted to travel for the entire year. Basically, what we did was once we stopped aggressively paying off our student loans, we put that exact same amount of money we were paying and just lobbed it into a savings every single month as if we were still paying off our student loans uh, and just lob, lob, lob. All the bonuses, lob it. Everything, selling things, lob it. We came out of that year, we had, I think, like four to six thousand dollars left at the end of 2018 and we used it to buy a used electric car it was all very millennial yeah deeply millennial <laughs> annoyingly I'm here millennial. For it. it's fine embrace yes. it yes. so you bought your wonderful. You, you bought your electric vehicle and then you decided to lean into hey burner so does your partner is he a partner of business as well does he help with the hey burner he does he helps in that he keeps us grocery fed and that my dog likes him the best, so he mm. helps with the dog the most, for sure. But he's That's doing right. his own thing. He works at the YMCA in San Francisco, and he's our uh, he's he's the the emotional balance when I'm in the corner of our apartment, screaming and yelling and dancing, and you know twerking for your financial wins. He's the balance. <laughs> oh wow! I feel like we have so so much in common. That is that's exactly the dynamic with my husband. Although he's not, yes. uh, he's more of like an eye roll, and I'm not doing that for you. You can do whatever you want to do in the Zenden. I will have no part in it. Oh gosh, your Zenden too. <laughs> I love your Zenden. I mean, you built a space for you to do your new freelance. Whatever thing. thing, yeah, I'm doing it. I, I, it took me almost a year to take take this space for myself, and I don't know why yes. it took so long, but it is, it is my sanctuary. It's kind of moldy and it smells sometimes when it rains, but it's mine. <laughs> but she's, it's yours. She exactly. cute. She cute. Well, she cute. This is where it's all going to start. It started in a, in a <laughs> basically like corner chair for me and that's where it's at least you have a den at least at you least have the space i have something well i'm mm-hmm. loving having you on as co-host why don't we take a quick break we're going to take some yes. questions from our fabulous listeners with berna and stick around guys we'll be right back 
Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Just go to Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we are back to take y'all's questions. Again, I am joined by the illustrious, the amazing financial hype woman, everybody's financial hype woman. Hey, Berna. Hey. Oh my gosh. I've been dreaming about doing the hey, hey, hey. She like goes, ah. I feel a little self-conscious <laughs> doing time. it. Dang. We should have done it in the beginning. <laughs> Just you're, commit. You're you good know? at it. You're good at it. I mean, I'm not trying to listen. She is gone, but not forgotten. She'll be back. I'm not trying to like. I'm not trying to like, you know, start infiltrating her her trademarks <laughs> while she's gone. No way. I, I channeled her for the vibrato. I was like, give me Tiffany. Hey. Give me Tiffany for this. We're back. <laughs> well, let's just do it then. Okay, let's do it. Okay, okay. okay. Go. Ready? Uh, the, from the hey, hey, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do the hey, hey, five, hey, six. and I'll, I'll pretend like you're Tiffany, and I'll just, I'll do my thing. Okay, beautiful. Ready? And five, six, seven, eight. Hey, hey, hey. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're never on the same key. We're never in any kind of harmony. It's just beautiful. It's all the same. It's different channels. We come towards each other like a river. Boom. Well, we are in the purple. We're both wearing a little purple today. We are on the same wavelength. We are channeling it. just like, it's just meant to be. All right, but seriously, y'all, we are here to answer your questions. As a reminder, my friend Berna and I, we are your financial girlfriends today. We are not your financial experts, your financial advisors. Always consult, you know, all your biggest money questions with a professional if you want real, personalized, tailored advice. What we are suggesting to you are opinions based on our own experiences. Yada, yada, yada. Please don't sue us. 
don't forget you guys can send us your questions at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on IG at brownambitionpodcast. All right, let's get into your questions. We've got two amazing ones. The first one comes from listener named Shanika. Shanika says... Hey, y'all. hope this message reaches you well. I recently obtained my master's in social work. Becoming knowledgeable about financial wholeness with the assistance of Brown Ambition, I paid for my graduate degree out of pocket. Hey, snaps. Snaps, snaps. However, I am $50,000 in debt from my two undergraduate degrees. My annual income is $50,000, and as a single woman with no children, I have a pretty good amount of disposable income. What do you feel is the best approach in terms of decreasing my undergrad debt to aid my financial wellness? I'd like to be debt-free, but I'd also like to enjoy some of my earnings. Thank you in advance, and please tell Tiffany hello. Hello, Tiffany. She ain't listening. She's on vacation. But anyway. (laughs) All right, Shanika. Well, congrats on going, getting a whole graduate degree without debt. That's Yes. Even more impressive. impressive Two undergraduate impressive degrees than, is what it was. So she paid for her grad degree, her ah. master's, um, out of pocket, but Beautiful. she still has 50K a worth of debt from two undergraduate degrees. So she real, real educated is what she's trying to tell us. I was going to say, like, let me just have my financial hype woman moment and be like, you paid for a graduate degree out of pocket. That is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Many, many graduates out there are like, feeling a lot of inspo. So please give yourself three to five business days of credit for that first before you <laughs> jump into uh, the debt payoff journey. But yeah, many first I really, thoughts. Go for it. I also want to know how she did that, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. Yes. So having an income of 50K with 50K worth of debt, this is always the trick with student loan questions is people don't always say whether it's federal or private, but right. we have to remind y'all that until the end of September, you don't need to make payments on your student loans. So that's yes. a huge opportunity. It yes. doesn't make a lot of sense. One, you, they, you just don't have to. There's there's a, a moratorium on student federal student loan payments because of the pandemic through the end of September. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, you could stand to gain a lot more by, you know, putting your money even in a high yield savings account. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. giving much return these days, but it's better than nothing. Or you could be funneling more cash into your emergency fund or, of course, investing, you know, contributing to a 401k if you have one or an IRA. As far as like the disposable income part and and feeling like, you know, I'm single, I have no kids, I've got 50k now, I want to be enjoying it. That is constantly like the tug. You know, on the one hand, it's like, if you're going to be making good money, but you can't enjoy it, then like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But at the same time, that 50K debt isn't going anywhere. So like, what do you say to that, Berna? I think you hit the number one thing is we're in a very weird bubble of time right now where federal student loans kind of don't matter until the end of September. I don't remember now, Mandy, you can tell me whether interest is accruing or not, because I'm like, are we in a nope. golden enough time? Right. So that could be, this could be a golden time for you either to, like Mandy said, put that money in something that's going to grow faster than your interest rate on student loans. Or if you want to be eager beaver about it, which I typically am with my finances, we're also in this golden period where interest is not accruing. So the payments that you make towards these student loans are interest free. So you get to like, bah, bah, at that principle from now until September. That's pretty cool. If that excites you, then go for it. But I'm also really glad that we're talking about like, okay, becoming debt-free as soon as possible sounds sexy and cool, but it does not have to be the path that you wanna pursue, especially if it sounds like this person wants to lean into 
having no kids, being done with their degrees and enjoying their life. I know lots of people, actually my wonderful business coach, Kristen, she is one of the most, she has like an incredible net worth. She started many businesses. She's so inspiring to me. And she's like, I have a bunch of student loans that I haven't paid off because to me, I wanted, to me, it was more worth it to invest in these businesses and go on vacation and treat my parents. I just wanted to do that more than pay off my student loans. And that doesn't bother me. I'm not shaming myself for it. Mathematically, it works out for me. And so these there are many roads to consider here. And especially because you don't have any dependents, you can consider the like, I don't have to be debt free right now kind of road. And rub it in all of our parents, all of the parents out there, rub it in our faces <laughs> that you can just do whatever you want, whenever you want. I just right. took, we took the baby to Atlanta this weekend. It was a two day trip. Mm. I don't even know how I have the brain cells to rub together to even talk to you today. But I was like, <laughs> I will not miss Berna. Oh it was God. so exhausting. The days right. of, I remember loving Atlanta Hartsfield. Now I'm like, why don't the elevators work? And <laughs> I mean, I was <laughs> I, at the end of it, I felt like I had run a damn marathon with that baby and the stroller and the car seat and the stuff. Oh, my God. Come yes, on. girl, travel. Take your <laughs> little cute carry-on and pack light <laughs> while exactly. you still can. I have yes. so much reverence for all my friends who are parents because going, especially traveling, basically leaving the house with a young child is preparing for a marathon. The travel itself is a marathon. And you, yeah. again, need to give yourself three to five business days to recover from that because it, I'm so glad that you're here and that we like honored yeah. this time. But I'm like, exactly. If for the person who asks this question, you can afford to indulge in like vacations or do things that take up your energy without having to think about somebody else's energy. Like you can do things with their money that makes you feel free and you don't have to be debt-free to do it. So there's there's lots of options here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Tiffany and I have gotten more comfortable talking about what you what you mentioned, investing in yourself, you know, doing things that that maybe don't have immediate returns now, but you know, that will make you a better a better person for your work as a social worker. I mean, that's a field where you're going to be pouring so much time and energy into oh, yeah. other people. So if you don't pour into yourself, you know, what are you going to give them? Um, and I, I want that for you. I want you to be, have that work-life balance, you know, or whatever your version of that is. And as long as you're spending money for experiences or things that you value, like F what anyone else cares about, if you want to spend all your money on, I don't know, Star Wars memorabilia or going and hiking the PCT trail, yes. like Cheryl, what's her face from that book with the boots? I don't remember Jail what Street. it's called now. Yeah, Wild. <laughs> there you go. Thank <laughs> you. The there you go. See, look at us. Look at us. Just uh, Nerding. That was a layup. Thank you. Yep. Um, yeah, just as long as you're focusing on your values and spending your money on what's important to you, I think that's the that's the North Star that a lot of people forget about. And that's what gets them down the road of, you know. Not to not to pick on Berna, but the bottomless brunches or things that maybe yes. seem okay in the moment, but don't yes. really feed you, you know, long term. Yes, absolutely. And I also really want to like, as annoyingly people say in the Bay Area, double t double clink on what you said, Mandy. Of we're talking okay, to. I know I need to My shower. Skin is crawling. Every time I say <laughs> <laughs> the I literally have an iPhone note somewhere for my Instagram days of all the annoying Silicon Valley shit people said all the time. One of them was like, I want to double click on what you just said. Um, <laughs> and that's one of those. So if you're ever in a but comedy what the sketch. What does double click say? Oh, a highlight? 
It's like a highlight. It's like, let me just double okay. down. Like, let me, uh, oh my God, I almost <laughs> used one with another double down, double click. Like, I want to zoom in on what okay. you just found. Um, yeah, if you're ever in a, a comedy situation and want to make fun of people from the Bay Area, Silicon Valley butt faces from the Bay Area, you can say double click. Mm. So I want to double click on what you said, Mandy, which is we're talking to a social worker. This is a person who, like, shout out to all social work folks. You pour yourself into your job in such a different way than other people. Self-care and, like, decadence and luxury, whatever that means to you, is so important. And not just, like, one big splurgy thing a year, but, like, consistent monthly like always meeting yourself there, self-care. Because from what I understand from social work, I used to work at the YMCA for about four years and worked with social workers very closely. Mm. Y'all deserve so much, and not self-care with like capital S, capital C, face masks and whatever, but like, I want you to almost have like a self-care budget for yourself because social work is pouring out. And if your money is not gonna be used towards things that fill your cup, and as a social worker, your cup gets emptied a lot more, I think, than many other folks, then like, what's the money for? So I hope I hope you lean into that as soon as possible. Oh, I love that. We hope I hope that was helpful, Shanika. And thank you again for your lovely question and all the love. Um, wish you the best. All right, let's take one more question from our audience, if I can find the dang tab. All right. Here's a cool question, interesting question, not maybe the sexiest on its face, but I do feel like we constantly, this is the question that it probably took me a good five years into my career before I had, I could finally stop having to Google it to remember what the damn difference was. This question's from someone who'd like to remain anonymous. Uh, they work at a university that we won't name out of interest of keeping her, you know, anonymous. But she asks, I was recently hired at a university and I'm trying to determine if it's better for my future self to have money taken out of my paycheck and put into my 401k pre-tax or after tax. Wouldn't I have a tax advantage if it's taken from my paycheck after tax? Listen, there's not really a wrong answer here. And I do. So and I and I, I, I this is a specific question that I definitely think, you know, it's worth talking to a, a fee only financial planner about because it's never just about your your 401k or in your case, you probably have an uh, uh, educator account, which is like a 403b, but still similar. So you probably wouldn't get more personalized advice than this. But just to break it down, you know, when you contribute to a traditional 401k or traditional IRA or sorry, a 401k, you're putting dollars in pre-tax, which means you put the money in and you don't get taxed until you take it out when you're old and gray or hopefully not so old and gray mm -hmm. in retirement. And the benefit there is that your money grows tax-free. It's it's wonderful. It's an incentive to get people to put money away for retirement. Yes. The Roth 401k is different in the sense that you pay taxes upfront. Mm -hmm. And typically what some financial advisors will say is this is also a tax benefit. It's just a little bit more indirect because you're paying taxes now. Uh, let's say you're earning a lower income today than you plan to be earning later when you get to retirement age. You could be saving money by paying your, at your lower tax rate now than when you you know start withdrawing from your funds later. Another benefit that I think is overlooked with the Roth is that you can actually withdraw your contributions. So it's not actually as tied up as a traditional retirement account where like if you take an early withdrawal and it's just to, you know, pay for something or to pay off some debt. It can be tax penalties that you have to pay and then income tax on top of that on what you withdraw. With a Roth, like let's say you put in $5,000 over a couple of years, you want to, and you've gained, you know, $2,000 on that 5K. So you've got 7K in there right now. You could arguably go in there and withdraw some of that 
principal amount, that 5000 that you put in, and pocket that without the penalties of a traditional 401k. But now that we got all that like jargony goodness, mm, mm, yum, <laughs> out of the way, <laughs> Verna, talk to me about, I mean, this is like a common, this is like a common, you know, one of the first adulting type decisions that happen when you get a new job. For me, I was so like ignorant about all this mess. I had a 401k match at my first job. I was there for 15 months, never opened, <laughs> never put a dime in it. Left all the money on the table. <laughs> to be fair, I had no dimes to put in there. But sure, sure. What was what was it like for you when you started to, you know, you went from freelancing to like, oh, benefits, yes. like a 401k. What was that like for you and how did you decide? Yes, actually trying to figure out what in the GD hell is a 401k was one of my first financial kind of Google entries ever. When I, you know, like you said, we go through HR and the orientation. They're like, here's your 401k. Before you could even ask, like, why is it even named a 401? And they're like, mm, on to the next. And then they're like, we can't give you advice. We're HR. We're not a financial. So you get very little answers in the first place. It was amazing to find out through Google's, not the HR representatives, which typically they should be more helpful, but a lot of the times they are not. It was amazing to find out that for a lot of young people, especially in your very first jobs, your 401k is like the first time you're actually, your money is getting invested, often invested for you, and you have no idea. Like it was many months into my job, like you said, Mandy, when I realized that money was being taken out for my 401k for my paychecks and things were happening to it. I guess I had like blacked out and signed papers <laughs> when I, enduring orientation, agreeing to something. And I didn't understand it until many months afterwards and like couldn't actually change things. So it was amazing to find out that first of all, money won, Money was already being taken out of my paycheck without my, maybe like kind of unconsensually, without my like understanding of how it happened. Two, I learned about what you just said, 401k matching. My company was a company that does, that they did 401k matching, which meant when I put a certain amount of money into my 401k, my company was like, cool, me too. Simon says, I'm going to do the same thing up to a certain degree. We love to say as financial, you know, mouth holes, that's free money. <laughs> That's yeah. money on the table, right? I give money and you're, I move, you move like ludicrous. I move the money and then the company says, me too, I'll move the money. So that was amazing to find out. And then you get into the, okay, so what's the difference between a 401k and an IRA? You learn about all the things that Manny just said about like the tax differences. That's around when, even if like, if you had held on to this point of like trying to learn, that's around when people's brains start to tune out mm -hmm. and it starts to the but butterfly out the window gonna go get lunch but the, they are really important differences when you're kind of looking at things but i think the most important thing is whichever path you choose sit yourself or an hr representative or a financial advisor down until you and like ask all the questions until you fully understand the differences between the two don't go blindly into it like me and be like it looks like the guy to my left just check the box and so, and so it makes it that like I literally left money on the table for the first year. I left free money out of my own damn retirement account for the first mm -hmm. year because I was just blindly following. There's so much pressure in the process. Don't be afraid to sit down and like ask all the damn questions. Google all every single phrase, every single thing that you can so that you understand both ways. And like Mandy was saying, it's not like there's a major giant, like big mistake difference between the two. Honestly, I don't think there really is. It's especially when it's your first sort of investing foray, but understand the crap out of it. You really, you deserve to understand the crap out of everything happening to every dollar and it's tiring, but 
Yeah. And, uh, until a retirement expert comes in and starts doing a dance at every like orientation, a this dance. is how we're going to do it. <laughs> It'll be me. I'll That'll be. I mean, I I think they pay big big dollars for you to come tell their employees about their benefits, which is one of the, like the incentives to keep <laughs> them there. I don't know why companies. I mean, literally at a previous job, when one of the benefits was RSUs, restricted stock units, literally yes. stock in the company. Mm-hmm. And I had a staff of young people who had never so much as heard of an RSU before, and I'd have yep. to do their performance reviews and be like, "Oh, and you're going to get you know five thousand dollars worth of RSUs," and they What's would have that? these blank stares. And finally, uh-huh. I was like. Do you know what this is? No. Or they would say, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's like the thing, you know. And I'm like, no, here's what it is. And then their eyes would get wide. They're like, whoa, this is great. This yep. is great. But you don't you don't know until you ask those questions. So, And a lot of people aren't like me. They don't have time. You know, they don't take the time. So definitely yes. ask. I was going to say, yeah. they're lucky to have an employer that's like, let me tell you exactly what it is. Because I remember learning about RSUs in my former job, too, and being like, this is a huge tech company with so many resources. I can't believe I have to Google this shiz on my own to find out that I'm being given equity in the company, but the equity works like this. It's got all these rules. It's like, bless you and every other employer that actually looks out for the young people like that. That's beautiful. That's where you're saying, you know, how, uh, what is it? What is hella, the personal finance world is hella male, hella pale, hella stale. Hella stale, yes. That is true of businesses too. It's really the structure is built for, I think, people who don't need to have a sit down and talk about RSUs because their <sighs> uncle or their father or their mother, or, you know, their mentor tells them those types of things. But a lot of folks, especially brown and black, black people and women, you know, mm. we don't go into the corporate world with those extra benefits and those, you know, advisors and little evil parrots on our shoulders <laughs> to tell us these types of things. So we have exactly. to seek it out for ourselves. And yes. companies need to do the extra work to do all that. But now I'm on my soapbox now about one of my favorite subjects, which is how businesses fail their employees. I love that. (laughs) Subscribe. (laughs) Yeah. But I do want to say thank you to this question. And just to take it home, the only bad decision here is to not invest, to Mm. not save for retirement. That's the only bad decision you can make. And also, you know, to your point, Berna, about getting knowledge, for me, the best thing I did at 24 was just start saving before I even knew everything I thought I needed to know. Mm. I just did the, the easiest option, you know, check the box for automatic withdrawals into a target date fund. And then I was like, cool, you're cute. I'll come back to you when I'm ready to dive in more and do more things. And that was the smartest decision I ever made, putting me on my path to um, a tenfold increase in my net worth over the past, you know, decade. And I, yeah, and I just don't want people to hold themselves back because they don't think that they know enough. There are some small steps you can take today that Mm -hmm. will put you on the right path and you'll, you know, you'll accrue that knowledge over time. Just don't wait until you're, you know, you can recite and don't wait until you have to stop Googling the different terms. I still Google sometimes, you know? Me too. All the time. It's fine. I mean, we we aren't like raised with these pockets of knowledge in our heads. And so we have to keep relearning. We have to keep shoving them into our heads because it doesn't come naturally to so Mm -hmm. many of us. And I, I love to also tell young folks like, you have something that every older hella male pale stale investor wishes they had, and that's time. It's yeah. time. You you have that freaking in in bags all, all around you, and that's the most important thing for retirement investing specifically. So just get her done. Just get her done in any which way yeah. and confuse yourself with the terms once there's already money in the pot. I love that. All right. Well, thank you all so much for your questions. Thank you, Berna, for being my, mm. my co-pilot on the question segment.
Do you ever have subscriptions that you forget about? I did. Mm-hmm. Do you have a hard time canceling those subscriptions because they seem tricky or time consuming? Raise your hand. I know it's you. Okay. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Yes. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I cancel it with a tap. I've never had to get on the phone with customer service in order to do so. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Okay. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition. That's rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition, rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, well, let's get into, this is a big moment for Berna. How does Tiffany do this? Now I'm forgetting. Brown boost, brown break, brown, no, that's not it. Are um, you I remember boost? she used to have like a, um, like a Mickey Mouse Club oh, yeah. tie. Remember that? And it always ends up, it's kind of like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. It, her, her brown break intros always end up making me go first, no matter what it is. The last <laughs> one like she that? says. No, no, it's fine. I'm just like the stat. The cards were stacked against me. Um, I'm not always prepared. But what would you like to do? Are you gonna boost or are you gonna break, my friend? Oh boy, let's see. Am I gonna boost? Am I gonna break? I think I'm going to boost. Okay, keep it positive. I'm going to boost. I'm gonna keep it positive because I'm in my book cave, and like we were talking about before we started recording, being in a book cave means I'm extremely selective about the things that come into my eyeballs and and scroll past my screen. And so I'm I'm trying to keep it posy for the book, you know, give give the book posy vibes. I think I want to give a boost to the idea of community. So this is cheesy. We talked about like my helpful community and all that stuff. What I'm talking about is today I'm thinking about the fact that creating this book requires a community. It'll probably be just my name on the cover, but I'm thinking about, like I said, my business coach, who's a woman of color that supports me every single day. My agent, who's a woman of color, supports me every single day. I have a small group of like mastermind other financial creators who I like bounce questions off of. Um, I'm asking my audience all the time of like opinions and things. I'm constantly texting my three teenage nieces. Um, is this stupid? Is this lame? If, if I had to compare stocks to like an anime character, which one would it be? I'm just thinking about the fact that nothing good happens as like in a silo, in a cylinder mm. by yourself. In my life, all the most wonderful things have happened because other specifically black and brown women have reached down, up, across to me, pulled me up a ladder, pulled me into their arms, pulled me into their mastermind. 
looped me into an email, including you, Mandy, pulled me into this and mm. made me feel like community is the thing that makes all these things worth it. And so I just want to I want to boost to everybody who's reached out to a fellow black and or brown person, especially a woman, and said, let me bring you into this mix because your name deserves to be on this table. Or let me make sure that, you know, I add your handle to this list of creators that need to be considered for this thing. That's just what I'm thinking about today. I'm so I'm grateful for all the people that know how to reach out and around and bring people in. I love that. That's everything that Brown Ambition stands for, right? I yes. mean, that's the reason we started this podcast. It's probably the reason you started Hey Berna and Hella Helpful. Yes. And thank you, too, because it takes a village, and we all yes. have our little villages, and it doesn't serve anybody to think that you can do it alone. That just leads to agony and pain mm. and uh, stress and anxiety. You need to, like, share the burden. Yes, um, 100%. I'm always trying to think of the fact that, you know, my own ancestors, again, being Filipino, they did so many more things in community than as an individual, and I'm trying to keep that while I'm creating these things that feel very individual, a book, you know, other projects and stuff like that. I'm like, my ancestors rock shit out in community. And I think they had it, they had it right, as opposed to this American individualistic colonizer BS. Mm -mm. Bust out, bust out. Uh, I love that. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be, I consider myself, I pushed, as much as you think I pulled you in, I'm just put, I'm just inserting myself into your orbit. (laughs) Because I need more of this. This is what I've been missing. It's just conversations with, other creators, other people passionate about the same thing I am and other people with unique voices. And this isn't technically my boost, but I do want to boost a very moving message that you posted on IG, I think a, f- a few months ago, and it was maybe the the peak of violence against Asian American um, mm. and Pacific Islander AAPI communities in this country. And your message was so powerful to me. And uh, I think mm. this year was... It was it was really easy to just you know keep your eye keep your eye on your lane you know last summer was so hard um, mm-hmm. the whole the whole fucking year was just a crapshoot but that was a real lesson for me to also look outside of my own identity and look at how the world is impacting other you know marginalized people and reach out to friends of mine who might be impacted and try to do it in a mindful way and um, yes. and I just. So I thank you for that, for for Mm. taking that time to go off script and to share what was on your heart. And I hope that you continue to be just as authentic and amazing as you are and really sit with the knowledge that just because it's not, you're not for everyone and and maybe appealing to everyone, that is not what we're doing this for. It's really about unapologetically talking to people who look like us and saying F, you know, F the norm. And uh, you're wonderful. I mean, that's like, again, this is why I was like, it's time. Like, I'm, of all the things I could be doing outside of book leave, I'm like, I can't let this go by. This is the platform that understands that the community that gets it. So thank you for Let me be your hype woman for just a minute, okay? (laughs) I can't twerk. But, I mean, I can twerk, but I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do that right now. I want to do a quick break because Mm -hmm. I can't let this be, I can't let this go. And I'm hoping that, I know you said that you're in a book cave. I don't know if you've been on the socials lately, but Chrissy Teigen was canceled. Have you heard of this? Recently? I'm like, again? What happened? She was, no. So she's been canceled kind of for, for like telling a poor woman to like go kill herself and all these things on social media. She came out with this long ass apology note on IG today. I'm sure you haven't had a chance to read it, but I wanted to take a break for, well, one, cyberbullying in general. And I think as two women Mm. who live on the internets and especially Mm. on social media, 
when you're trying to enter a space that traditionally has not been for you, the trolls are alive and well. And I've had yes. my first taste of this really on TikTok. Ugh, and to so have Chrissy, there. they're so mean. Um, they really are. And to other women, especially, it's, it's, uh, especially women talking about finance and uh, and uh, and the patriarchy and all these things. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because I mean, Chrissy is is someone who it just shows that trying to be the first to be witty and funny on social media, it's almost like using that power to drag people down to especially other women. It really, I know that she's apologized now, but I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the impact like the real feelings that are out there on the internet and the fact that we're all out there creating content, but we have feelings too. And I hate for someone who has an image of being so, you know, so welcoming and so um, funny and charismatic and amazing and the beautiful children and superstar Mm. husband and all that kind of stuff. Why does she need to take someone down? If someone Mm -hmm. like that feels small enough on the inside to tell others and in her message she admits that there's not just this one instance that was recently made public there's more people like victims of her own cyberbullying. we just have we have to hold people accountable for it i i don't want to wish anyone ill but i'm genuinely like i'm raising a child who eventually will be who knows what the internet will be when he's old enough to use devices but I just I don't know what to do about like the cyber bullying but it is so and especially if you're reaching young people like you say that you are with your book Mm. I mean this Mm. is a real it's a real danger and it's a real I don't know its own little epidemic or pandemic whatever the right phrase is Um, but how has that impacted you do you have a do you have trolls or do you just kind of have a way of filtering that out oh boy as you're creating Absolutely, we have trolls. Oh my gosh, definitely have trolls. Basically, mm-hmm. from the day that I started talking about my money life, which I'm sure you've experienced, and especially I'm sure you're experiencing on TikTok, is when a woman or a person of color or a woman of color opens their mouth about a hella male, hella pale, hella stale, formerly thing. The hella male, pale stales, and those who represent or want to protect their interests come out. They just come out with fists because how dare you try to give advice to other people who look and sound like you that doesn't cater and center the white man, which is what most finance advice does. When we center ourselves in this work, people get really get their feelings hurt. And so I've definitely gotten trolls of people who are saying like, I don't know what I'm talking about, or I made stupid financial decisions. Even if both those things were true, it doesn't mean I have to shut up. When I, like you said, spoke out, if I ever speak out um, and kind of step outside of my quote unquote lane of finance and I talk about race, I talk about my experiences, I talk about the liberation of black people, I talk about stop harassing Asian people, the trolls really come out. And what I've found to be true when you're an internet creator and is clearly true even when you're someone as big as Chrissy Teigen, no one has given us any classes in like how to act on the internet. And there are a lot of people out there just like throwing their unhealed trauma at each other. People think that we can say things and do things to each other, either on Twitter or in the DMs, that you would never actually do to a human face-to-face. And so I've learned a lot from especially many of my activist friends on IG how to draw your boundaries with people on the internet who don't know who you are. How to say, hey, I have created a list of boundaries. And if you're a new person and if you want to interact with me, you have to see these this list of boundaries I've created. One of them is you can't DM me if I don't know you. If I'm not in relationship with you and you're about to DM me with your opinion, stop. I don't want it. We, you don't know how to act with me. And so it's not going to be 
a dialogue. Two, I do dialogues. I don't do suddenly I'm your garbage can for everything you think about Asian people or everything you think about brown people. I don't do, wow, this message should have really gone to your therapist. I do dialogues. That's an exchange of information. If you don't know what that is, I will not respond to your DM. Uh, three, it's like, it, you know, these are the way, like if I'm sharing my personal experience and I did not ask for your opinion, don't give it to me. These things feel very normal. If I were to see, like have coffee with you, Mandy, like in, in real life, but we lose our brains when it comes to the internet. And it goes to show also that you can be the most famous, the most beautiful, the most visible, and you still don't know how to draw boundaries with yourself. And you still don't know how to like, remember there's a human on the other side of the thing. So that's the number one thing. It's like people lose their humanity so easily. Mm-hmm. And it's important, tiring, but important to let people know where your boundaries are on the internet. Cause clearly some people don't know how to act. The one thing that you said that struck me that I hope people take away from it is recognizing that it's not about you. It is someone else throwing, I think you said, their unhealed trauma at you. Hurt people hurt people. It's as simple as that. And I don't want to, as more of us women of color, even men of color too, are out there sharing our POVs, sharing our voices. And believe me, corporate America wants us. They say they want us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but they ain't they are not always ready for us and we have to really take care of ourselves because wherever you go the trolls will be there and you need to sort of have your you know have your mental health process and check whatever that is for you mm-hmm. um everyone's got their own way but just getting to a good place where you really know yourself and you're comfortable with yourself like it sounds like Berna obviously you really are and that's not always easy for some people but that mm-hmm. is the the biggest thing it is not it's not your stuff you keep doing what you're doing like yep. trolls be damned. They're going to yep. be there, but it's not about you. It's about them and just try not to engage with them and keep keep creating, creating and and thriving because that's what we're both here to do. Yep, absolutely. All I here to do. I that. forgot we're talking to other yeah. people. I'm just like, <laughs> it's just you and me in this world, Mandy. It's me and <laughs> right? you in your, in your Zen Den. But I totally co-sign in all of that. It's And it's funny because the more you are genuine and true to your own message, I think the more trolls can sort of sense that. I feel like I've gotten more Mm -hmm. trolls the more genuine you are with your voice. And so it's like the the further you get out there, the more you have to be clear about your boundaries and and let folks know where they can't step. But doesn't doesn't mean you stop creating. Well, when it comes to you, Berna, there is no boundary. I, (laughs) like as far as like, you know, we live, we tight now, it's all love. Thank you so much for co-hosting with me. Yes, thank you. Thank you for making this dream come true. I literally just like- I don't believe you. No, for real, for real. Like, if you ask my Spotify uh, Unleashed, Unreeled, whatever the heck, at the end of every year, probably for the past three three years, past four years, top podcast has been Brown Ambition. So this is my freaking dream. Thank you so much, Mandy. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being so supportive and for for doing what you do. Um, Again, you're at heyburna.com. Anywhere else people can, well, they can't find you anywhere now. This is like an exclusive (laughs) interview on her book leave. This is the only place you can find Berna right now, but... When, when are you out of your book leave cave and, and then where can folks find you? I am out of my book leave cave in August. So I give my first draft in the middle of July and then I basically black out for two weeks. Who knows where I'm going to be? I'm just going to be face down in my dog, I think, for two weeks. And <laughs> then in August, I'm, I'm back out with some cool projects coming, but follow it all on Hey Berna on Instagram. All right. I love it. All right, Berna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.